Welcome to COVID-19, Public Health Policy and Culture. I'm Dr. April Moreno, presenting information from various sources about the COVID-19 pandemic from public health policy and cultural perspectives. We will be sharing international accounts from policy, public health response, and even personal experiences firsthand about living in this era of COVID-19. Welcome to COVID-19 PPC, Public Health Policy and Culture. I'm Dr. April Moreno, and I hope you are all doing well. We are about to get into some of the more dramatic parts of this pandemic here in the United States. New York is already in it, and we are in the other parts of the United States getting ready and preparing ourselves for this peak of the curve which is uh, soon to be on its way. I just hope that all of you are taking proactive measures out there. And in my next episode, I'll talk a little bit more about the measures I've been doing, which are taking it a little step further beyond what the recommendations have been. Those fluctuating recommendations have been over time. Share a little bit about what I've been doing, especially for someone who's immunocompromised. Share my tips and my own guidelines. You know, when I was beginning my public administration program, I had to take public policy courses. And I didn't really understand what a policy was. Originally, I was just thinking, is it like a law? Is it like something that is, you know, do you have to get legislative approval for something to be considered a policy? Is it like a state senate bill? Or is, what is a policy? You know, when I think about honesty is the best policy. Is it as simple as something like that, where you just agree on something? And I could not get the answer. I looked online, I did Google search, and I was just like, am I the only one who's wondered what the heck a policy is? And so the answer is yes, it's as simple as something that anyone decides on, what the guidelines are, what you have determined, what needs to take place, and your own regulations, your own idea of the way you are going to make things happen. The policy in my house is very different from the policy of the CDC because we take it much more proactively and we are much more careful on the things we do. We are much more proactive than the World Health Organization, things like that. So as we talked about the World Health Organization's policy or their guideline was three feet of distance. In the United States, we've been doing a little bit more of a distance, like six feet, which is great as well. But also we've talked a lot about social distancing and my policy is social isolation much more than social distancing, which I guess I'll talk a little bit more next episode about that. But in this episode, we're going to be talking to a registered nurse in the United States who has over 10 years of experience working in a hospital here. And she's going to be talking about how they're preparing for the upcoming surge, the upcoming peak of COVID patients coming into their hospital, into their ICU, what that's expected to look like and what gear protective gear is expected to look like as well and what the current challenges look like in preparation for all of this and the concerns that they have as real human beings as people who happen to be nurses happen to be working in the hospital what the culture looks like what is expected to change with COVID-19 as a result and then those policy changes we talk about public health is a great field it's one thing and then policy is part of every organization part of every aspect of leadership and policy here has changed a lot in terms of the CDC's guidelines for what we're supposed to be using in the past it sounds like it was quite pretty strict which makes sense when you're working in a hospital that certain types of gear would be required 
but when things are not quite available, we talk a little bit in this episode about supply and demand, when things are not quite available, what that's going to look like and how policies have actually changed with less regard for health than, but more regard for what's truly actually available on supply. So it's really an interesting time. So I hope you enjoy our episode number five. And I hope you're all taking good care out there, maintaining that distance and keeping safe, keeping mentally sound as well, finding ways to stay busy, keep the mind preoccupied, either in a state of being busy, sticking to a schedule. I know for myself, uh, living with anxiety, uh, sticking to a clear work schedule helps me to keep my mind focused. Going to work on the job is actually a safe place for my mind during the days. And then also, you know, either you're in a state of productivity or in a good state of relaxation. So I hope you're doing one of these regularly meditation, relaxation practices as well. So take good care. So you probably are aware by now that we use Anchor.fm here on this podcast for COVID-19 PPC. And I wanted to tell you about Anchor.fm because this is actually the second uh, podcast hosting software I've used and um, I really like it. I love how easy it is to use. I love the fact that it's free and they have so many tools here like music and all these different options that help you record and edit your podcast either from your phone or your PC or your computer and then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so that it can be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and many more places and then also you can even make money from your podcast with minimum with no minimum listenership and it's all you need to make a podcast in one place so if you're new to podcasting and you're interested in um, getting started I recommend Anchor.fm so what you can do is download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started um, that's my recommendation and um, you know after almost a year of podcasting I'm really glad I found Anchor just recently it just makes things so much easier and uh, yeah come check out anchor.fm thank you for listening to this episode of COVID-19 public health policy and culture so today we're speaking with a registered nurse in the United States we're going to be hearing about the real life experience and real challenges of what COVID-19 is doing in the medical system, in the hospitals. And this is from a first-hand account. So today we're speaking to someone who is going to remain anonymous today. And she is a registered nurse with over 10 years of experience at a hospital in the United States. Thank you for being here and being available to speak to us today. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, um, I'm excited to be here with you. Thank you so much. Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and the work that you do? Thank you so much for helping me keep keeping this anonymous. I know it's very difficult to, with everything going on right now in the hospitals, to feel comfortable with what things you might be able to say or may not, but I do want to share our experiences. I have been a registered nurse in the critical care setting for over 10 years. I'm currently working in the hospital setting at this time during these like extremely challenging, ever-changing, you know, day-by-day moments that we're dealing with. Yeah, how are you feeling these days? How are you? 
I'm good. You know, I'm good. I feel like uh, every day brings on a, a new way of coping. Try and keep it positive, like amongst, you know, our, our healthcare community. The people that I work with are like family. So we kind of are very good support to each other. So we're very united and we work together very well. And that always helps us keep a positive outlook on what's happening right now. But it's definitely challenging. I do the best I can surround myself with my family and by surrounding us more like videos from someone with video with their voices and you know their love even though we're apart and we can't see each other right now so we're all separated right now but we're all connecting thanks to technology and the phone that you're still in touch with people your family and loved ones and staying connected definitely i think it's very important to do that uh, you know it's very high high stress times and doing that really just kind of helps keep us you know a little bit more stable with our our feelings and our moods i'm really interested in hearing how things have been going at your hospital we're talking about the united states in general but we know that you're just at your one person at one location and what have you seen how has this environment been different from any other time as a registered nurse what makes this time different and what is the landscape of COVID-19 at your hospital right now? I've been at this one hospital the entire 10 years of my career. So I know the policies, I know the system, I know the culture of this hospital very, very well. It's a great, great place to be. It's uh, rated one of the best hospitals in our nation. It's very high tech place. And we are never like a place that are without resources. So we're always very well funded. We have the equipment, the latest technology, the, our treatment changes, you know, based on the latest research findings. And it's like taking everything that you've known for 10 years and just like flipping it upside down. And basically we're finding that our care and everything that we're providing is being guided, you know, based on contingency plans that are changing daily, if not a couple times a day. So it's very, very challenging. And, and it's just something that we're learning to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's, that's where we find ourselves uh, at this time. What types of procedures and policies have you seen kind of like going upside down lately? I'll just start off with like a simple one. For example, we are asked to wear, if you are, if you choose to not have received your flu shot on a yearly basis you're asked to wear a mask for the entire flu season like just the regular flu none of this COVID situation well when this COVID situation came around people that did not receive their flu shot they're just asked to please stop wearing masks they're trying to conserve what we do have left our hospital is very fortunate we do have protective equipment available but because experts in um, the medical field are estimating that the peak of this virus is going to be in mid-April, then our hospital is making contingency plans on how best we can reserve what PPE we have and use it as smart or as best we can. But that, as you can imagine, has become very problematic because, you know, the CDC has recommendations on what kind of PPE is necessary to take care of these COVID patients. And their website actually states that an N95 mask which is airborne protection, would be the optimal protective gear to wear. But it also states that if you're running on a shortage, that other masks that are not airborne protection would be acceptable. So they're making recommendations based on supply demand and not necessarily on the best protective gear. 
that would provide the best protection against this virus to our health employees. And that's where the controversy comes in. Our medical doctors, some medical doctors don't agree, nurse, some nurses don't agree. And it's just this back and forth, like we all get it. If we run out of protective gear, then we would be in a much worse situation. But not using the proper gear also puts us at risk. I don't like this question, but I am curious. How has the physical health been of the workforce at your clinic, at your hospital? Um, we are, I think, and we get we're bombarded with emails and updates of what's happening around the country. And right now, they estimate, um, based on a location of our hospital, that we are running about a week or so behind New York. We're estimating that we're going to get the largest amount of patients based around mid, you know, April. Based on that, we are able to still keep the COVID patients in one designated area of our hospital. You know, obviously, our emergency room employees and our patients that are in this designated unit, uh, intensive care unit, are the ones that are, have had most exposure to these type of patients. And there still has not been many reports of anybody that has any healthcare employees had like any positive conversions over to this that, that I know of. I mean, I could be incorrect that I know of mm-hmm. because we mainly have these patients in these two different units right now, but we have moved lots of our patients out of other units making room. So a lot of our other units, including my own, have lots of empty beds in anticipation for mm-hmm. this patients that's expected to come very soon. Mm-hmm. So I think as the time passes, we'll know more. But you definitely see the fear. I mean, we have employees that are scared that they might have become exposed to a patient that had COVID and are like, you know, wanting to get tested or that feel like they have symptoms and they're wanting to get tested. So, so there's definitely that concern among healthcare workers. And it's, it's very real. It's very palpable. Like you can, you know, you can see, you can see the tension, you can see the fear just because we're still not getting lots of patients on first day in my unit. We still have patients that come in uh, almost on a daily basis now that are being ruled out for the mm-hmm. virus. You can definitely palpate the the stress of the nurse that gets assigned Mm -hmm. to take care of that patient. And, you know, it's our culture that when one person admits a patient, all the other nurses on that unit come over and help, you know, like admit a new patient. But now in this situation, we're being told that as minimal employees as possible Mm -hmm. should be going to prevent exposure, to diminish the risk of exposure. So now you're like left kind of outside of the room looking at your coworker, wondering, you know, is this a patient that's going to expose them to something or expose you to something every single time that you go in and out of that room? Like, did you put on your gear correctly? Like, I remember watching one of my coworkers, you know, one of the younger nurses in a unit, and we're being fitted for goggles. We're being fitted. We're being, um, trained trained again and again just to make sure that we have it down and we're being supervised how we put on our protective gear how we take off our protective gear to make sure that we don't contaminate ourselves or anything in the process of putting on and taking off the gear coming in and coming out of the room Mm -hmm. and this young nurse you know one of our newer graduate nurses was going into a room that we were ruling out for the virus and I could see her you know I was assigned to be charge co-charge nurses on our floor so it's time to be co-charge and I remember watching her from my area where I was standing in I remember just watching her and I could see her hands shaking as she was trying to put on her her glasses 
to go in there. So I walked over to her and just kind of helped her get dressed and help her put on her goggles, guiding her through her mask technique. And then I remember just making some dumb joke, something, just some dumb statement or joke that I made to her. And I remember her going from visibly shaking to going into the room smiling. But that just like how, how difficult it is to take care of me in this environment right now. I appreciate that you talked a little bit about culture and how it's changed because of COVID-19, how in the past, all the nurses would work together, but now you're being uh, instructed to be very separated. Yes. Like, you know, it's, it's just like, that's just part of our teamwork. You get a new admission patients. It's not uncommon to have six, seven nurses in there. Somebody welcoming in the patient, another person grabbing the medication, sending them up to the machine, changing their gown, helping them get cleaned up all at the same time when this person is being admitted. And now we just, we don't you know what we can do with that. And it's understandable because you don't want to expose, but it's also, you kind of feel like your teammate is in there like it's just like two of them versus like you're usually there as a group it's just difficult to watch that can you tell us a little bit more about like um you said something about supply and demand is being the new way of protecting everybody yes um you know because the cdc put out this statement that if you don't have n95 respirators it's okay to use a mask that's kind of like what our hospitals are using as well, okay, well, they said that it's okay. You know, CTC said that it's okay to use just a regular mask, not a, not a, like a airborne N95 mask. So they're taking that to mean like, let's hold off on our N95 masks and only use them for certain procedures. Like you're placing a breathing tube on a patient or when you're, something has to do with like uh, respiratory particles that would have to be released into the air. But Lots of experts, lots of doctors disagree with that statement. Lots of nurses disagree with that statement. It's like they're not saying that it's okay to wear a mask. They're saying like if you have no choice, wear a regular mask. But ideally, you would want to wear an ID5 mask. So our hospital is trying to ration and create new protocols of when to wear an N95 and when to wear a regular mask, you know, based on this supply, you know, this recommendation from the CDC and also based on we're going to run out if we keep using our N95s and when we really need them for like a procedure that's more involved, requiring lots of like respiratory involvement mm-hmm. than when we would need those N95s the most, you know, according to the CDC, then we're being kind of like told when to wear them, when not to wear them. When ideally, you know, lots of medical staff, lots of nurses, even the CDC, ideally on their site is saying, if you have the N95 supply, then use the N95. But we have some supply. Problem is hospitals all over the country. I mean, you see what's going on in New York right now where nurses are wearing bandanas where they're using the same mask for like the whole day or like the whole week. Like they just have one mask period. We have masks in our hospital, but we're trying to conserve them so we don't get to that point when we have an influx of patients in the next couple of weeks because everyone's asking for masks. All the hospitals are asking for masks and they're not here. I know that we hear a lot on the news about so thousands and thousands of masks are being made and thousands and thousands of masks are going to be delivered. But well, where are they? These patients are here now. Where, where is our protective gear? You know, it's, I get it. Like things take time, but in the meantime, we're here exposing ourselves. And this virus is so quick, develops very quickly. I mean, you go from being, having some symptoms to being, needing some ICU care. You know, of course it varies, depends on every person, but can be very progress very quickly to to critical stage we're still not 
receiving that many patients yet, which is more like so our, our unit is actually practically uh, half of our unit is empty right now. Um, and it's very eerie <laughs> to walk into a unit that's very empty because we're, it's like we're waiting. It's like the calm before the storm. Like we're literally waiting. We have these beds waiting for the floor that has all the patients right now to fill up and they're like almost at capacity. And then we'll be next. Like we talk about the United States, but then we're also talking specific to your location, your hospital that you work at. How have things gone well in terms of managing or working with COVID-19? As far as our hospital itself and how things are going in this situation that nobody was prepared for. I don't think anybody anywhere in the world was prepared for something like this. Our hospital has enough protective gear for all of us, but it's not like they have stockpiles of protective gear because nobody was going to anticipate a pandemic, you know, and maybe particularly, but maybe there should have been, that's a whole different topic, but maybe there should have been better preparation for all this. But we're here now. And as far as our own hospital, our management specifically on our unit are being, I feel very fortunate to work where I'm working in times like this because they listen. They're listening to our concerns. They are addressing our concerns. They're not just saying this is what we're doing and that's it. Actually, because of the concerns that we have and because of the lack of clarity from the CDC in regards to what protective gear is more appropriate, our a hospital actually made these protocols indicating when to wear and when not to wear. You know, they sit down with the, our infectious disease teams and all, all like our upper management and they make these specific protocols, you know, trying to make our supplies last. But because staff has so much concern that we're not, that's not the best way to protect ourselves, they've actually sent out an email saying, you know, these are the protocols that we've had in place based on CDC recommendations, but if you feel more comfortable wearing an N95 respirator when taking care of COVID patients, then do, then do it, basically. But of course, that also comes with the concern, okay, we were doing it and we're going to do it right now. We're going to wear these N95 masks because we have the okay to do it and we do feel more comfortable wearing the proper protective gear, what we feel is a proper protective gear based on, based on so much that is unknown about this virus. Like we don't know the transmission mode yet. Like 100% nobody can say yet because it's so new. So based on that, we do feel more comfortable wearing a respirator, but we have the fear that when we have this surge of patients, which is the hospital's concern, that then we're not going to have anything. And then we're going to run around taking care of patients, wearing a bandana or wearing cloth masks that don't do anything to protect you like our nurses, fellow nurses in New York are doing at this time. So we're banking on the fact that we hear in the media that millions of masks or thousands of masks are being made. We're banking on the hopefully that we can count on that and that they will arrive or else we're going to be in a terrifying situation in a couple of weeks. What are your concerns? How can we improve things now? The thing, I know you hear it everywhere about social distancing. I know you hear everywhere about basically social distancing and let me just keep staying, staying home, right? And that's really what you can do, what everybody out there can do. Because if you're not doing that, if you think like, oh, it's okay like to go out to the market a little bit more often than I need to, or it's okay to go out for that walk, you know, there's not that many people out there. Like, it's not about like, it's not that many people out there. It's not like about, you know, I can go to the market and it's okay, I'm going to be in and out. It's, it's all you need is that one exposure like we don't know right now like if somebody just coughed and you walked into their cough like you don't know like did you just touch something 
and then there's that COVID virus there. And then you, you come and you take it home on your, on your hands, on anything. And then you go on to infect so many other people around you. And then the, that virus just grows faster and faster. Well, that's the whole concern right now. If you, we don't have that many hospitals and beds that can take care of like a huge thousands of influx of COVID positive patients. Like uh, we are one of the, like at my health system, we're one of the biggest hospitals in our area. One of the most well staffed and lots of beds and equipments, you know, large units. And we only have four ICUs and each ICU only has certain, I mean, I think we have like maybe around a hundred ICU beds all together. And we still have other types of ICU patients to take care of. Like we cannot fill up every, you know, these 100 beds with COVID patients. We have other ICU patients, whatever they may be. 100, say we have a hundred beds of ICU patients. How, well, that's nothing. If we have thousands of patients that need ICU care. Like it really is nothing. So I won't even put a little dent on it. Just staying home. And I wish that people would realize that if you were to need ICU care, it'd be very difficult to get if we have thousands and thousands of patients. Like I'm not sure how in the world it would be possible to care for so many people. And that's a very scary thought. And we're just beginning to see what's going to happen in New York. Yeah, like what's happening in New York right now where they, you know, I mean, we all see the news and we know what's going on there. And it's, just uh, very, very hard. I mean, something that we're doing even in our hospital to try and um, prevent, you know, the spread of this virus. And it's something that has been so heartbreaking and so challenging to do is not to allow visitors. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine having a loved one, say, for example, in an ICU hospital that it could be, you know, they're they're in critical care that could be passing away any minute and you're not allowed to visit. Like you can only have one designated visitor for an ICU patient. And that's only if your loved one is imminently like dying. We're trying to just keep it to 30 minutes. So if you're not there in the 30 minute window, like you might actually miss your loved one's like last moment. You know, it's just, it's so difficult. It's so challenging. We've actually set up video chatting, live video. So that's something that has been so nice to see because at least you can see your loved one through live video, but you can't miss it. And I mean, the same situation is going to be for somebody who has like a COVID virus and you develop to that stage where like you're so sick, like you'll be so sick by yourself. Nobody can come visit you. We are allowing zero visitors, no matter what the situation, unless you're imminently dying. This is so different from other circumstances where if you end up in the hospital, in many cases, you're going to be there alone. And if, if it's the worst case scenario, in many cases, you may actually not see anybody in that, that last visit that you had weeks ago or the other day or whatever could have been the last time you saw anybody. Yeah, I think I've heard like, I think maybe like pediatric patients are allowed one visitor. But other than that, unless you're immediately dying, you get no visitors whatsoever through like, you know, the one of the hardest times of your life, like you're in a hospital, hospitalized, and you're going through it alone. And at least I guess right now, we're lucky enough to have best and be able to take care of patients. But if we get, you know, thousands of patients in with this virus, there's just no capacity. There's no capacity. I don't know. I can't even imagine how this, I, I honestly, I just don't know how we would be able to take care of anybody like that. 
I feel like I understand the severity of this just because of my public health background. And you understand the severity because you're seeing patients every day. How can we communicate this to people who don't understand the severity? Like there are people who still go out. There are people who just go out to buy small items at the supermarket just to get out of the house. There are people who are going on road trips taking vacations basically for the weekend what can we say to help them realize i don't know what to do like how can we communicate this in a way that people really understand the severity of of covid19 i think it's a very it's a really good question like what what more can we do i mean do are people not watching the news i mean you watch the news you see what's going on you obviously see that our health system and other parts of our country is overwhelmed already i mean you just it just seems very socially irresponsible to not do something like that. Like, you know, I, I think it comes back to the whole, like, I'm invincible type of mentality, and that's not going to happen to me. But it's not even a case of, is it going to happen to you? Like, you might catch it, and then you might be perfectly fine. You might be 100% okay. But, you know, that somebody else that you go and touch and infect may not be. Like, you don't know what circumstances, what health conditions they may be living with. You don't know how their immune system is going to react to this virus. It's a very, like, case-by-case type of virus like it doesn't affect everybody the same way i mean this is similar symptoms but it's everybody's immune system sever the severity of how it reacts to this virus differs if you don't have a conscience like to be socially responsible to be careful and stay away and do social distancing i mean i really don't know like what what else it would take other than you know if someone they know close by gets infected and then that's the way that they learn. But obviously that's like the worst case scenario. That's like way too late and, and just very sad. And I, I don't know what else to tell you about that. It's we're doing really well with it. And just to kind of stay healthy and keep the stress levels controlled, I like to go on walks. But like even today, I went on a walk and I went through a trail that I know and there was too many people. And by too many people, I, mean, I don't even mean like more than 20 people on that trail. There's probably like 10, 15 people. But to me, that's too many because I feel that I cannot keep at least six feet of social distancing in that situation. The trail is not wide enough. So I drove to another place and you just kind of have to put yourself in the situation. It's okay to like, if you see somebody walking on your trail, they're not moving, then walk away to the other side, like take these extra steps. I know that sometimes we don't want to offend people, whatever it may be, but this is what needs to be done for the safety of everyone. Thank you. Yeah. It's just like at some point, it's a conscience issue. So we are informed. I mean, everyone's being informed. I heard oh, this yeah. someone claim that they were being force-fed news and they told me to stop talking about COVID-19. Um, right. I, I don't agree. I don't think they're being force-fed anything. But at the same time, you'd have to be living in a cave to not know what's going on and how not to protect yourself. Yeah, maybe it is just a conscience thing. I don't know. Right. How are you taking care of yourself these days? How are you practicing self-care? You know, I try, we were just talking about this, actually, our group of, uh, of nurses out in our unit the other day, we we're talking about like how, how to take care of ourselves, you know, we know whether it's a respiratory illness, and of course, by no means, you know, we're just kind of using our medical knowledge of having so many years of experience and what we see when certain diseases attack you. So we're just 
talking about like, oh yeah, like how are we going to keep our lungs, like, you know, our respiratory system very like strong and fit. So we were just talking about different things that we could be doing. And we're we're just thinking like, okay, maybe like some cardio would be nice. Something to just keep your lungs pumping, your heart pumping and, you know, kind of like keep you an optimal, the best thing you can do while you're for yourself, you know, not to stay healthy so that you can have the strength and your immune system can be strong enough to fight whatever it's encountered with, um, not necessarily just COVID. So that's kind of like what, what I've just been trying to do is kind of like go on some walks, do a little bit of jogging. You know, I'm not a runner or anything like that, but I just try and like get a little jog in and then my distance and that really helps. I have a bunch of sisters. So there's several of us that we do, I think we're doing like FaceTime the other day and they've sent some links over for Zumba. So we can kind of do like a Zumba video kind of dance, which is fun because it also alleviates like the mood, like elevates the mood a little bit. So I'm able to get some exercise in and then also like laugh at each other and the crazy dance moves that we're doing. So just kind of like that really helps it. Um, even like today, like I found myself walking on this trail and just wanting to like scream you know it's just like so overwhelming like all the emotions all the feelings and that you get with everything that you're seeing going on all the helplessness you know like you know one thing that has really affected me has been having to ask all of our family members to leave and the time when their loved ones are so sick and they don't know how much longer they're going to be around and you know if you've ever had a loved one in an intensive care setting and the thought of not being around them was just just so devastating to me. And, you know, it just feels like very helpless. So I think just um, just getting out and doing that walk out in nature and it just kind of really helps you know, feel better, you know, sweating and uh, taking my supplements. I take lots of supplements right now, you know, whether they help or not, do they, they help me feel good. You know, I just take my vitamins and eat as healthy as I can through this time. You know, we're all about like, let's support our local businesses. And I think that's great. And I do try and do that, support our local business and local restaurants. But I've also found that I'm doing lots of like home cooking just because I'm home you know when I'm not work I'm I'm at home trying to do lots of like you know fruits and vegetables and and just trying to optimize and it's so hard to do sometimes because I feel like you know you're home you're not doing anything it's so easy to just kind of sit there and like watch movies all day long but really like just snap yourself out of that because this is going to pass you know and um we need to take care of ourselves in this process and give ourselves the best chance of coming out of this you know the best that we can the healthiest that we can both physically and mentally yeah that's good I'm so glad to hear that you're doing activities exercise and spending time with family and it's easy to get on each other's nerves I'm sure like when you have to live with your whole family through this but um I I don't you know it's just my husband and I and we live separately um but I am missing you know missing hugging my mother missing hugging my sisters we're very close and um it's it's hard times not to be able to do that we've seen in other countries I do think that they feel like it will be you know another maybe like another few weeks and until we hit a peak here in our area and then hopefully that's that'll that'll be the case and we'll stop seeing like growing numbers um, at this point what we are seeing currently is uh every day uh, the numbers are growing um every day our hospital has more and more of these patients so we have not by any means hit our plateau yet or our and so what that peak means i have i have no idea so we'll have to just kind of take it day by day and 
do the best we can and hope that our companies making PPE or whatever the holdups are, are able to deliver more as the next weeks come by so that we can at least feel somewhat protected while we're taking care of patients. You know, at least we can feel secure that we may still be exposed, but that we are being as safe as possible and that we have the, the equipment we need. Is there anything else that you would like people to know about COVID-19, about the current circumstance? Stay home and help us flatten out that curve so that we can actually provide care for you. Number one, that would be the, the, the main thing. But besides that, um, you know, like treat this. If you, it, it's, um, I feel like a, a lots of people are having lots of anxiety over this and are feeling, uh, you know, that like, for example, you've heard like the symptoms of this, it's like dry cough, you know, fever, you know, body aches, a loss of sense of taste and smell. And there's just other uh, symptoms. Um, they're all out there. But I know that people are starting to kind of freak out a little bit, you know, in the sense that um, anxiety also can, you know, like symptoms of like not being able to you know, breathe, like breathing problems. Anxiety is, can cause that as well. And I know that people are just like feeling like they have to come to the hospital when they're feeling all these symptoms. Some, some may be real, some may be not. It's hard to, how hard to know, right? So I think it's just like, try not to go into a hospital at this point, unless you're you feel like you truly need it, you know, and it's best to call 911 because right now, like hospitals are like, like, they're just, it's just like COVID everywhere, especially in the emergency rooms. Just that really pay attention to are you, what you're feeling. Is it really like a symptom of like being sick or so a symptom of anxiety? Try and find ways to cope with that. And if you are really feeling symptoms, try and call your doctor, talk to your doctor about the symptoms that you're feeling, get their opinion. If you're, it's really bad, then, then just call 911 versus trying to go into an emergency room. Thank you so much for this yeah. information and thank you for sharing your experience at your hospital as a nurse and what you've seen over these recent times compared to the 10 years that you've been there or more than 10 years you've been there. I just wish all the best at your hospital and in your region for the patients to you know, get the treatment that they need and that the numbers will that we will be able to manage this. I hope so too. That's really my hope that somehow we'll just, that we will be able to manage this, that hopefully manufacturers can get us like the proper gear that we can. And, you know, they still, they can get it to us like within the next, like as soon as possible, realistically. And being able to take care of people, like that's what we really just want to do, have the resources and be able to take care of people uh, in a proper way, in a humane way. And uh, that's all we really hope for. And uh, and hopefully, really just, it's so, so much unknown, April, but that's all we really want. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, any burning questions about COVID-19, feel free to send me a message in Anchor. Anchor.fm slash COVID19PPC is our website. And until next time, stay well and take good care out there.